Well, hello, everybody. I'm TA, and you're listening to The Recourse Podcast. Today, my friend Melissa is in the library, and before I give you kind of an intro, I do need to give you a little bit of a trigger warning. Today's topic is all on mental health and suicide. So we just encourage you that if that topic is something that might be not you're not at a space or a time and place where you're wanting to listen to that, we ask that you would not. And if you are, I cannot wait for you to hear Melissa's conversation. She shares so much about her journey, her life, um, especially the good work that she is doing with Thumbs Up, which is a great organization out of Elk River, Minnesota. Um, But we really want to um, focus this podcast on being encouraging and empowering for you. So please listen, and I hope that you are all well. And I am so excited for you to hear this conversation with Melissa. Let's get started. Okay, so the way that I do always start the podcast, though, is the one question I always ask is, how do we know each other? And you and I are new friends, Mm -hmm. so maybe you could um, tell us who you are and maybe a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. Yeah. Am I supposed to start that right now? Yeah, feel free. Are we recording? Yeah, we've been (laughs) recording for like 10 minutes. (laughs) I mean, we're going to cut all that stuff. All right, so how did we meet? How did we get together? Hmm. Um, Well, I'm Melissa, and... You had reached out to uh, Thumbs Up, and we chatted a bit last week and wanted to share stories about Thumbs Up and yeah, my past. Well, I will share very quickly that, um, and I think I told you this already, Thumbs Up was super important working in the Elk River School District or in the ISD 728. I hate just saying Elk River because it's Rogers and Zimmerman's mm-hmm. bigger than that, but um, we unfortunately, and the student came directly from my right. homeroom, my classroom. Um, had made a choice and had passed away due to suicide. And so knowing that there was a group within our community that helped support these students in a way that as a teacher, I couldn't, mm-hmm. that there's a sense of like, there's only so much and so many kids that you can, you know, give of that for yourself. So, so it was so nice. And so the more I've learned about Thumbs Up, the more it's been just an impressive organization that really is trying to fill a need and support our community in a way that I don't think there was resources in that. And in doing that, you and I got connected. And then more importantly, through that, you've been starting to share your story with me. And I think that was super impactful to know that the people that are also working there have a deep connection to what's happening for personal reasons and also like a huge passion for it. So I want to dive into that today. So can you give me a little bit of background? Like, are you originally from Minnesota, this area? What's, what's your life story? <laughs> so I grew up in Burnsville, Minnesota, born okay. and raised, never left the state. Yeah. Um, I love winter. I love the cold. So, so this time of year is your jam. This is my jam. <laughs> the colder, the better. Then the snow comes. It'll be glorious. I woke up Friday morning to snow. Had a message from a girlfriend mm. talking about the snow and how excited I'd be. I literally ripped my covers off and shot out of bed like a kid on Christmas morning and could not <laughs> stop smiling for two hours because there was snow. <laughs> yeah. I legitimately love winter and fall. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in Burnsville, have lived here my entire life, and I love this state. It's beautiful. I have four younger brothers. I am a mama to two boys. Mm-hmm. Now live in Ramsey. So I've been in Ramsey for two years. And I don't see me ever leaving this state. Yeah. Unless my boys decide they want to leave someday. And I go with them when they're older. That may happen. <laughs> you never right. know. But maybe they'll love it just as much as you. Are they hockey players? Or are they... they just both started playing hockey last year and this year. Yeah. Their, their second year um, trying out right now. They're both little mites. Okay. So they do. They love. And they love snowmobiling. Mm-hmm. So we are outside as much as we possibly can be. So I think that's a two distinct culture in Minnesota. <laughs> like either you love the cold or you kind of put up with it. Like the people who love it are the snowmobilers, mm-hmm. the outside, it's, I don't care, we're outside, and then the others who of us, maybe more like me, it's a little more like, I don't mind the cold, it's beautiful, but I'm, I love my fireplace right, and a hot coffee. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, because everyone, anytime anyone finds out I love winter, oh, do you snowmobile, do you ski, do you, you know, yeah. nope, nothing, you just like winter? I'm like, I do like winter. Just like, just like it. I, being a photographer, though, too, you know, oh, that's, for yep. me, I love to just go out and wander through the woods, mm-hmm. and there's nothing better than a super cool, brisk day when it's sunny and the snow is sparkling oh, and just that yep. peace and the stillness and there's no bugs. That, the there bugs. are no bugs. <laughs> <laughs> the 
That is the best part about fall, the first frost and all the bugs dying. You're like, oh, yes. glorious. Yeah. Yes. I do love on the winter morning, my favorite winter mornings of the whole world is the when you've had the frost at night, so mm-hmm. the trees are covered in that mm-hmm. frost the and you're driving. Frost. Oh, so pretty. That, that is a cool, and it doesn't last all day because the sun comes out and melts those trees, but that is a view you don't, yeah. It's very pretty. You don't get that everywhere. No. Okay, don't. so you grew up in the area. Four brothers. Four brothers. Where are you in the secession? Oldest. You're the oldest. Of- oldest and only girl. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> so, yep, I have um, Kevin, Adam, Sean, and Paul. And Kevin and I are brother, sister. My other three are stepbrothers. But yeah, my but, mom remarried yeah. when I was younger, and they're my brothers. So, yeah, yeah I got to be... Went from two to five, and <laughs> still the oldest. Yeah, Thank like, you, God. <laughs> being the oldest of boys, though, whew, that's and but prepared you to be a boy mom. I bet. Yes, it did. It did, <laughs> and I love it. So yeah, and I actually, it's funny because when I was younger, obviously, you know, they were brothers, and yeah. we had our quarrels and stuff. But they're all very protective of me now. So yeah, and they've all been very supportive, and they're amazing brothers. Yeah. So yeah. So photographer, and then now you're, um, you work with Thumbs Up. Speaking of your brothers, part of your story of reason that you were um, very open to working with Thumbs Up or felt like you had something to give has to do with one of your brothers, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Would you be willing to share a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I lost my brother Adam in August of 2013 to suicide. Mm-hmm. He was 30 years old. He was a dad, a husband. We did not see it coming. Yeah. Um, and it's just that ignited in me just a passion and a purpose or not purpose. Well, yes, purpose too, but a passion for mental health, especially men's mental health and just becoming an advocate for suicide awareness and mental illness guys, especially. And the longer I've been in this kind of been doing what I've been doing with the advocacy, um, just men really struggle. And it's just a very, brush it under the rug. Men aren't allowed to show emotions. Men aren't allowed to talk about things and, Mm -hmm. you know, man up, just man up, get over it, man up. And it's just, after losing my brother, I, I don't know that that was necessarily all of it with him, but I do know that that played into things, if that makes sense. Do you think that socially or culturally just, we teach our boys that in a way that we need to change? I do. I think that it's, and one thing I've done with my boys is it's okay to cry. It's okay to talk. And we do talk a lot, especially my older, he's nine. Um, and I just am very like, Hey buddy, it's okay to talk about these things. And it just, if you don't want to talk, you don't have to talk, but mom's here if you need somebody to talk to. And I just feel that, um, I, I don't know. It's just, I've seen a change. There has been a change. I feel like more men are opening up sure but it's still to be vulnerable for anybody to be vulnerable it was very hard for me to start sharing when I first started sharing my story on Facebook years Mm -hmm. ago after losing my brother and then having my own struggles with mental illness and just the more I've done it it's I know it's making a difference yeah the more people who share their story no matter what their story is yeah it's someone's going to benefit like we talked about 100% I I agree with that and I feel like that keeps kind of becoming this theme of of the women and men that I've talked to or that have been on the podcast that it is so much of we feel so isolated when some Mm -hmm. when trauma happens to us Mm -hmm. and in that it becomes embarrassing or hard or and I I don't want to minimize that it that it can be very hard to reshare and relive some of those Mm -hmm. experiences so I'm not blaming or shaming anybody who isn't at that point to be able to do that. But when you are and you do, it is so helpful for yourself. But man, the yes. people that listen and get to know that they are also not alone, I think exactly. it's so, yeah, so important. I want to go back to this conversation about men because I, I also have been thinking about this as you have brought that up in the past too, that I think of boys or men who have dealt with eating disorders mm-hmm. or have been sexually abused or have any trauma that way too. It's the same thing. I feel like there that has been such a minimized community or it's just an embarrassing thing to talk about mm-hmm. for even as a society like that doesn't happen to men in the but same does, way, yeah. but it does. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's just, we <clears throat> talk about it differently or. I think just the biggest thing is just with all of it, everything from, like you just said, the abuse to uh, drug use and alcohol. Mm-hmm. It's There are so many reasons why people turn to those things and the abuse and trauma. Yeah. Again, you turned 
drugs and alcohol to numb that pain. And I feel like because of the way things are, so many people will turn to that because they don't feel like they can talk to anybody. Yeah. And then that just is a vicious cycle that you go down. And, um, but I think we just, yeah, need to do better and keep talking about it. Yeah. And I do wonder too, societally, we still put a lot of pressure on, um, on people in different ways. So I can think of certain men that feel like I am the breadwinner in my house. And mm-hmm. so therefore I have a different pressure of, I have to do this or for certain women, um, that might be single moms or, uh, are taking care, ter- taking care of their parents in a different way. So now they're having a different, like we put these pressures on it ourselves and feel also isolated that I can't ask for help because mm-hmm. I'm the sturdy one and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a gender-based thing it truly has to be sometimes it's just situational for that family exactly exactly how do we out break that or how do we help support that I think in my own experience from my own struggles with my mental illness with having lost my brother and like I had kind of told you I had also just had Nolan eight mm-hmm. weeks before mm-hmm. I yeah. lost my brother and it was obviously having a baby is a lot for a woman yeah. to body you know the hormones and then just adjusting to being a mom and sleep and everything that goes with that lack of sleep. And then to find out I lost my brother and my baby boy was just about eight weeks old. And the way I lost him was very traumatic. And I, you know, as time went on, there were so many things where I was like, okay, this makes sense as to why this happened or I was this way. And I know on my journey, I figured out I've obviously had anxiety for probably my entire life or at least a very young age. And then the trauma of losing my brother and life just continuing to happen and I kept just like burying that basically and it wasn't until I finally realized that I had a problem where I was like oh I have a problem others could see it Mm. but it's just again it's like addiction yeah until you are actually able to see it or admit it and want the help I feel like mental illness is very similar because a lot of people just I guess I don't really know how to put it in words, but it's just, it's not until you actually figure it out kind of yourself. That's kind of how I feel, at least in my experience. No, I think that's fair. I think when I think of, like you said, if we put it in the word, in the world of addiction, there is a, a hard truth that uh, you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make Mm -hmm. it drink. And that Mm -hmm. same thing with mental health, you have to be very self-aware. It's a hard piece that people can often see it in us, but we can't. Mm-hmm. You have to be self-reflective, you have to be thoughtful, and you have to be willing to work on those things or whatever. Exactly. Can you tell me a little more about anxiety and what that looked like for you? Because that term, I think, can mean so many things to so many Sweet. people. Yes. What did that look like for you, for your experience? So through, I mean, like I said, kind of just on my journey with figuring things out of why things have affected me the way they have, and I'm like, okay, this makes sense. So when I was little and my parents had separated, I know there were just times where I would... I would lay in bed and I'd have a stomach ache Hmm. or I would just not feel good or I'd cry or I'd want my mom or just, you know, different things like that. And I had a stomach ache all the time Hmm. and I didn't want to go to school. I did not like school. I struggled with school, did not want to be there. And I was sick all the, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, I didn't feel good. I'd go to the nurse's office and it's like that obviously all was anxiety. Yeah. And I just, I remember, and just even talking about that, I remember that feeling as a child, what that was like. And nobody back then... I don't, I mean, it was a thing, obviously, but I don't think anybody really knew how to talk about it and figured that out. And so then you fast forward to life just continuing to happen and a lot of events happen in my life and it's trauma. I was diagnosed basically with PTSD after losing my brother and didn't figure out in my head, I'm like, PTSD only affects police officers, military, firefighters. No, PTSD can affect a five-year-old. PTSD can affect a 10-year-old. PTSD. PTSD can affect anybody. It depends on the trauma and trauma is trauma to a 10 year old who loses somebody or goes through something traumatic. That's still trauma. It might not look like it to a adult all the time, but there are things that happen in a child's life that can be very traumatic. So I think, um, just as I got older, life continued to happen. I had Nolan and it's hard to say, would I have been as bad as I was after having Nolan had I not lost my brother? Because that's not the story. This is the story I was given. So after Nolan, I was just very everything. I wanted everything done a certain way. And I was very, it was controlling. Oh, sure. Because anxiety, it's control. Right. And 
I know that that was very hard. I didn't want anybody else to watch him. Nolan essentially became my teddy bear. He was my comfort item sure. because he was eight weeks old. I lost my brother. I found out in the middle of the night he was missing, found out in the middle of the night that he had taken his life. Mm. And I just remember going completely numb. I remember throwing my phone into my bed. I was in my bed, but I chucked my phone and I screamed a not so nice word. And just, I didn't know what to do, what to think. And from that night on, every night when it got dark, I would have everything at the end of my bed of Nolan's, change of clothes, diaper, wipes, and his pack and play was now butt up to the side of my bed. I could not physically get out of bed once it was dark and I'd look into the dark hallway. It was terrifying. And it was, again, at that time, I didn't figure it out, but it was anxiety, the fear and just the trauma that that caused losing my brother the way I lost him was very It's fascinating (laughs) to me how our bodies deal with trauma in that the coping mechanisms that we come up with mm-hmm. to help our bodies, you know, process through that. Mm-hmm. And some of them are just like we've talked about is are so unhealthy. I think there can be healthy ways of doing that, but we don't, we don't know. And then mm-hmm. that's where we need help and we need support. I also have heard the term, um, and this came through our adoption training and stuff. Um, trauma often lives in our body, that sense of there's always some type of physicalness to it. And that trauma can also, basically hibernate. Mm-hmm. I, I think you kind of mentioned this when you said kids might experience trauma and we don't even know it. And then years down the road, it comes out and mm-hmm. you're going, well, how could that be affecting you now that happened? It's, it lives, it, it, mm-hmm. it's dormant. And, and that's triggered. We're so good about our brains. And I think the way our bodies were made and how God created our minds are, are fascinating and amazing things. Yet, <laughs> you know, like we, they're obviously <laughs> can also um, have a little landmines for us to, to deal with. But yeah. Right. So after that, um, how do you deal with moving forward from that with an eight week old? Cause that, I mean, that's trauma in itself. Like the being a mom, a new mom, did you have any postpartum or anything like that? I think I definitely, again, it's hard to say what would have, would have necessarily been postpartum mm-hmm. or having lost a brother to suicide. It all just it's, kind of, yeah. So it's overlaps. Yeah. Like I said, kind of a little bit ago too, is it's just like, would I have been this way had this not happened? And we don't know because yeah, it's not know. the story I was dealt. Yeah. And so I know that I went back to work. Nolan would have been, I believe I, if I remember right, I think I went back to work kind of part-time. Like I didn't take the full 12 weeks off. Um, so I went back on a part-time basis when I first went back short, I think it was October. And when I went back, that helped me a lot because I'm a people person. I love to talk. I love people that fills my cup. So that was really good for me to be back with my work people and talking to customers on the phone and stuff. So that was very helpful. And, but then I still had at night and then of course fall, it gets dark super early. So I didn't like being home alone. And again, it was still just that nervousness of like, just Nolan became my everything. And which, I mean, I guess that kind of happens when you have a baby anyways, but it was, it was, a, yeah. an, it was another level. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just, I think back to that time and so much of that time too is a blur. I have, I'm in a much better place with it now, but I also really feel like I was robbed of a lot of yeah. stuff with Nolan because of the fact that my brother took his life and that was such a fog mm-hmm. and it's like, there was so much kind of focus on that too, that I didn't really get to enjoy having a brand new baby to a point, you know, and then going back to work and adjusting and I guess life kind of just continued. And it's kind of funny too, how I can remember so much of what happened in these last, well, he's nine now, these last nine years, but at the same time, what your mind does to kind of block out some of that stuff as well. Yeah. You know, it's just the trauma. (laughs) It is. What did it look like for your family during that time period with support and finding help? Did anybody else? Nobody. We didn't really do anything. We did that October. So it was August 8th was the day that he had died. So it was October of that year. We did do a walk in Wisconsin, actually, our whole family for suicide awareness. And it was St. Croix Valley. I wish I could remember the exact name of it, but it was, I believe, two teens that had taken their lives. They were a couple and they'd taken their lives together and their family had started this walk. So we participated in that 5k that first year. And obviously the dynamics of your family, when you lose a child, a sibling, a, you know, it 
just, it changes things. And then to have lost Adam the way that we lost Adam, it changed things a lot. Um, so I remember at that walk, actually, obviously I'm a photographer and I love to take pictures, always taking pictures of everything. And I drive my brothers nuts because I'm like, we have to get our sibling picture. And yeah. so that walk, I knew it was just like, okay, we need to get this out of the way. This is going to be our first sibling picture we're doing and Adam's not going to be in it. Yeah. And this is the first of many. So that was hard. Like we all had smiles on our faces and we all did it, but it was a hard thing to do. Um, and I still like that for me too is pictures. That's the one thing I cannot say enough to people who hate having their picture taken. It's not about you. It's about everybody everybody else when you're gone and just being able to look at those memories and we are our own worst critics. So we're going to think we don't look great in every picture, but you know what? (laughs) Nobody's going to care that's looking at these pictures. So I am very grateful that I have these photos with my brother. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't think anybody really got any help afterwards. I don't really remember there being any support kind of things that we looked into. I know the pastor who did the service, uh, he was amazing, wonderful. Paul Dean, Paul Dean, shoot, I can't remember. I think it was Paul Dean. He was actually both my brother, Adam and Kevin's, and I think Sean's youth pastor at our church. And he did the service. And he actually, one of the things that he did say really stuck out to me, and I've shared this with a lot of people, but he lost a sibling to suicide and almost lost another sibling to suicide. And his sister told him on the flight to their brother's funeral, do not do the what if game. Do not mm-hmm. go down that black hole. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't know. You can't change it. And once you go down that, it is a black hole you will never get out of. And so for me, I read that his message over and over again. I've sent it to a couple of people, but it was just the one thing. So it's like, there's nothing. In my mind, mm-hmm. when someone gets to that place, their mind is made up. Yeah. Most likely, you're not going to change it, and there's nothing you could have done to have stopped them. Yeah. So that really helped me. It, and that's a hard piece. We talked about this um, when we decided to talk about this topic. It, it is a heavy topic to talk about suicide, mm-hmm. and I think there's still a lot of societal um, fear that talking about it will cause it to happen more. And I think you and I both are on the on mm-hmm. the line of I agree that it needs to be talked about so that we are aware and it's helpful. It's more helpful than harmful, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Exactly. Exactly. I agree with that 100%. And it is, I've had that. I mean, I've had people say that to me because of what I've posted on social media. Well, you're, you know, you're gonna, if someone's thinking about it, you're going to push them. No, you're not. You won't. It's, Mm It's, it, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky, tricky conversation. And I think part of it is, is just enough people don't have enough education about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And know that that's not going to cause somebody to take their life. You right. know, <laughs> it's not an idea that they haven't already had. Like, exactly. Oh, that's, I never thought of that. Right? Like, that's what I think what it is, is the, and especially for younger minds, that's the fear. And while I understand part of that, again, I, I don't know, some of that also comes down to like the influencers that we allow in our lives. And so we have to be very thoughtful about who's mm-hmm. influencing our kids or ourselves and where those things are coming from. But I, I do remember in some of the training we got, even in through the education system as teachers, that that's what it is. Um, if there's a, not a timeline, but if there's a scope line of uh, where you are mentally to the point where you would commit suicide, that kind of gray area right near the end, near suicide, if you're anywhere in that point, it's so hard to come out of. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like a, you know, on a random Tuesday, I make a decision. It's Mm -hmm. something that has been so deeply thought about and ingrained, Mm -hmm. but it's hard. What's so sad about it to me is that people can be in that gray area and nobody Nobody knows. And that's where, and then you talk about the what if game, like, but if I knew, but uh, that's not a, a point in that mental illness that they're obviously sharing or feel comfortable. Exactly. And I think too, with the what if game is it's, there's also the people that you do know are struggling. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I've shared my story and I have struggled and I've admitted several times that, I mean, it's mental illness is not, it's never going to go away for me. It just, it won't for, and it doesn't for a lot of people and it's finding the right medication or it's finding the right, and it's not even always medication. It's just finding the right tools that will help you. But that said, so many of these people that are struggling for so many years and they are miserable and they are so sick. And Mm. again, people think it's not a sickness. It is, but, and I say it all the time, it's like cancer, cancer patients fight 
people with mental illness, they fight. They fight so hard and they battle these demons and they battle this yucky, yucky, yucky. Mm -hmm. And they try different medications. How many more times do you have to try a new therapist, a new psychiatrist, a new medication, and nothing is helping? And their quality of life is not great. And it's no different than a cancer patient. They're two completely different illnesses, yes. Mm -hmm. But like a cancer patient is going to fight, fight, fight as long and as hard as they can and try different radiation, chemo, medic, whatever they're doing, change their diet. Prayer, obviously prayer is a huge thing, no matter who you are, you know, obviously we both believe that. (laughs) But my point is, is a cancer patient at some point in time can say, you know what, I'm done. I can't fight anymore. I can't do this anymore. And it's, it's very hard because suicide, definitely, I don't, want it to ever be the right option or the option right but i'm just saying it as in like in my mind it makes sense why some people are i just i can't do this anymore you know no i get that i think society too i and i keep saying that just as a broad way of i think what a lot of people think because i don't mm want to pick on anybody Mm -hmm. i think that there's a lot too that it's um anybody who's dealing with mental illness or is in that track feel it's a self-fulfilling prophecy or sometimes a chosen track, if that makes sense. Whereas you would never blame somebody for having cancer. You would never say, well, if you had just done this, you wouldn't wouldn't write. And it seems sometimes we can put that onus on Mm -hmm. somebody with mental health being like, well, if they just would get over that or if they could just, but just be happy. Just look at the bright side. Like, and you, and I really, really, really appreciate that. You said it is not a, I just do this one thing and it goes away. Mm-hmm. It is a lifelong mm-hmm. thing. It is a, I don't, I guess you can say illness. It's a lifelong condition that you mm-hmm. will, will have to find, like you said, good medication, good support systems, good strategies and good, you know, tools mm-hmm. to be able mm-hmm. to help yourself do that or have the right people with you to help you through exactly. that. And I like that, that it's not just until I can figure it out. I need the right people with me to mm-hmm. help me get there. Yeah. And it's, you know, I just, I think of, and obviously this is all just from my own personal experience of what I've dealt with and how I've seen just the waves, <laughs> the yeah, mountains, yeah. you know, I get up to the top and it's like, okay, this is great. And then life happens and whoop, I'm right back at the bottom. Yeah. And um, I am very fortunate because I do have an amazing, amazing tribe of people around me and just life is hard. Everybody, like I already said, everybody has a story. Yeah. Some, some, something has happened to you in your life or there's, everybody has a story. And I just know that I have some people who support me no matter what they show up, no matter what I have a list of people I can call that if I needed them and a drop of a hat, they would be there for me. And, um, I know what I need to fill my cup Mm -hmm. and, I've started watching different things that have happened and I'm like, okay, this triggers this or being a girl, there's stuff that happens for girls every month that also plays into things. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. What? (laughs) And it's crazy how those hormones, I mean, and the older I'm getting, you know, and it's just, there's so many things and I just, I just love people and I love being able to love on people Mm -hmm. and just sharing my story so that hopefully somebody else can hear it and be like, oh, okay, well, this makes sense as to why this is happening. And, um, but yeah, there's just, unfortunately, there's not a cure for mental illness. And some people can be on meds and be off of meds and they're great. Mm -hmm. And then they're fine. And they have no more issues or problems or struggles. And then there's others who it is, it's lifelong and it's never going to end. And they've been dealing with it since they were a child. And um, so... And my, my thing too is obviously a church for me Yeah. and my faith. I do, I do think that's a huge thing. You kind of hit on this and I just wanted to make sure we talk about oh, this yeah. fully because I think this is a super important part of, of life and, and something you've done that's very brave. You started talking about, as you were recognizing this more and more in yourself and some of the things that you've been through, you started to decide to make the decision to live that out in social media, mm-hmm. which for mm-hmm. some people, that is a very uncomfortable space to put our authentic selves. We normally put our best pictures or our mm-hmm. best, like, Hey, look at us. We're awesome. Mm-hmm. And you started just being very authentic and real of I'm struggling. And this is, um, things that have helped or things that mo- motivational thoughts and quotes and things like mm-hmm. that. But you didn't always get a positive reaction to that. Nope. I didn't. And I still don't. <laughs> like, tell me more about this. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, Adam was August of 2013. And I don't remember officially like my first kind of post that I posted, put out there. Obviously I talked about my brother and stuff and 
I just do remember when I first started posting about my struggles and losing my brother on Facebook, I remember getting a lot of private messages from people saying, thank you for being brave. Thank you for sharing your story. This is what I'm going through. And I didn't realize this was what I was going through or just, I'm going through this. Thank you for being brave enough to put it out there. And it's just, again, it's good to know I'm not yeah, alone. Yeah. There are others out there because a lot of times when you're in the thick of it, you think you are all alone on this little island and you're not. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just, I kept sharing and sharing and sharing. And I did get a lot of negative feedback from some people that I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, and which those who know me well and know my heart, they know that that's not the case. Was it an assumption of attention mm-hmm. and look mm-hmm. at me, look at me? Okay. Yep, it was. So, um, and I finally flipped that because it's, I mean, it's now it's been nine years. Well, probably eight and a half-ish years that I've been sharing on yeah. social media about mental illness and my brother and my struggles. And I finally flipped it when someone, one of the same people brought it up again about the attention thing. And I was like, are we still doing this? Really? And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, heck yes, I am. I am seeking attention. You know what I'm seeking attention for? Mental illness and suicide. Right. Like, why is it okay for, is it Ariana Grande? Or I've, no, Selena Gomez. Yeah. Like, Selena Gomez is a singer who has shared her story. Why is it okay for Selena to sit up on, you know, and be interviewed and talk about it and it not be about her getting attention for herself? And then there's me, just a normal, normal little old Melissa from Minnesota who's sharing, you know, and it's, but then again, at the same time, I feel like me sharing my story is way more relatable for people than Selena Gomez. Of course. Because Selena Gomez has a story and I feel bad for her. She has her struggles, but more people are going to relate to little old Melissa in Minnesota, right. who's a single mom who grew up, you know, middle-class who doesn't have, again, and money doesn't buy happiness or fix things. But she has but, a, access to resources yes, in a way that we might we not. We don't, you yeah. know, and it's it's just my story and our stories for people who kind of live this lifestyle are more relatable. Agreed. You know, yeah. so it's like I want people to know. And, yeah, a lot of times we do look like we have it all put together. But I am very real, yeah. and I post the crap <laughs> on social media, and um, I'm just super honest. and Yeah. like I think that's important, and what you're doing is the correct thing. I'm just always fascinated, too by the trolls or the people who are upset Mm -hmm. that, you know, there is an unfollow, but like you don't have, your choices are to, you don't have to list. If this is not encouraging to you, if this is not helping you, if you have a certain, if it's triggering an emotion in you, that's Mm -hmm. angering you and I let it go. Like just unfollow me. I don't need you to, but you shouldn't have to change my behavior when it is having a positive Mm -hmm. effect Mm -hmm. on others. And I think part of that too is, um, I've, it's, there's certain people that I think it hurt more or less too that, with me yeah. sharing. Sure. And there've just been a lot of things that like through my processes, I'm like, okay, well, and then too, it's like, I don't ever put like trigger warning. And I'm like, well, maybe I should put trigger warning before I post these things or, you know, because it's like, it is a hard subject and you don't know. And, but again, it's unfollow me. You know what I share, right. you know who I am, you know what my passion and my purpose is. And that that's, I'm living it out. And, yeah. um, but I will say going back to me posting on social media when I first started, and like I said, I was getting a lot of private messages from people and then it turned into me continuing to post and me continuing mm-hmm. to share. And people are actually now commenting on my actual posts yeah. about their stuff. Yeah. And it was just like, and I always use the word cool and I'm like, cool is not the right word to use when I'm talking about this stuff, but it was just really just a it was a cool thing to see that people were like openly talking about yeah. it because that's what we need to do. We right. need to openly talk about it. So every single person out there knows it's okay. Yeah. Like why is it okay for someone to show up at your house if you have breast cancer for your family? But here's this person over here who's struggling with anxiety or depression or, you know, and I will say yes, a lot of times they don't want the help, but I feel like no matter what your story, what you're going through, a lot mm. of time people don't want help and they're not going to ask for it regardless of what right. they're going through. You just have to show up. Yeah. And again, I wonder if that's some of the inbred, ingrown or like embedded things that we have learned of, it's just a pull yourself up by the bootstraps mm-hmm. type of culture in a lot mm-hmm. of ways that we are as a Western American society, we're so in, in taught to be independent mm-hmm. in a way that is unhealthy at times. Yes. I, I'm, I'm not poo-pooing independence by any means. I, we raise our kids to be independent. I want them to be solid, you know, that way. But 
this would be in a situation where I wouldn't want them to be in, mm-hmm. I would want them to find help and to ask for help. And I think it must feel affirming for you when you see that, when you see mm-hmm. people finding that little bit of community and yeah, me too. That's, I understand that. And here's my story. And I think giving people that platform, that ability to, you know what, me too. And share that mm-hmm. has got to be, mm-hmm. yeah, very like encouraging and yeah, and it's great. just, it's, it's the little bit that we can do to right. help, you know? And I, I mean, I believe 100% that this is the path that because of it all happening, this is the path that God put me on mm-hmm. and that my brother, Adam, I mean, he's between God and Adam, they show up a lot <laughs> and it's just, it's really it's hard. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I am grateful that this is like, this is what I've been chosen to do. Right. You know, and I found the blessings in this mess and the hard and it's definitely not easy. And I wouldn't ever wish, I mean, for me, I guess I'll kind of talk to, you know, life happened. I had the anxiety there were a lot of changes in my life that happened. Obviously, you know, I'm divorced and that happened and I ended up being in a new relationship and then COVID hit. And once COVID hit, I mean, COVID destroyed a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> COVID itself yeah. and yeah. just the the thought of COVID. And that was, um, I think the saying is the straw that broke the camel's back with me. It pushed me over the edge and sure. I broke. And I was not in a good place already at that point. And then COVID officially hit and I just, I lost it. And, um, that's when I admitted myself to the hospital mother's day weekend of 2020. And it was one of the hardest, scariest things I've ever gone through. And I know for a fact that, um, just being in that time and thinking back to it, and the fact that I am still here and I had a plan mm-hmm. and that I went to get the help, it was a super, super hard thing to do. Um, I forgot where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I was going somewhere with that. Um, but yeah, it just, like, it's not easy to ask for help. It's not easy to get the help. And I just remember telling a couple people, like, hey, I'm on my way to the hospital. And some of these people had no clue, yeah. too. Yeah, Like, they knew I wasn't okay, but they had no clue that, I mean. Do you think that you knew to ask for help or felt like it was time to ask for help only because you had spent that time somewhat advocating and hearing other people's mm-hmm. stuff? If you had, after your brother had passed, kind of stayed in that little hole or mm-hmm. in this, this cycle for yourself and never had kind of break and broken out of that and looked more holistically at things you would have gotten to that same place most likely, but your choices may have looked very different. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense the way mm-hmm. I'm asking that? I think for me, I think I've, will, I've said it a, all the time. I will say my brother Adam saved my life yeah. and God saved my life and my boys saved my life, yeah. you know? And because I, luckily for me, I had a moment of clarity. Well, there were a couple of things that happened in the whole thing um, that weekend, but I was moving out of my ex-boyfriend's house and I had sold my couch on Marketplace. There was this joke with this couch because it had been through a few relationships with me. So when I moved in with this said boyfriend, there was a joke that we should get rid of this couch. This couch is jinxed because this couch, I've had all these broken relationships. (laughs) (laughs) This couch keeps coming with me. This couch is the problem. And so we joked about that. Well, this said couch, I sold it on Friday night on Marketplace because I didn't know where... I for sure was going to end up, but I'm like, the couch just needs to go. Mm. It's a big, huge red sectional couch. And I'd had it for a long time. Whatever. Time to go. So I sold it on Facebook Marketplace on Friday night. Of course, it's COVID. This is when, you know, we're still not supposed to really see anybody. Right. And this guy messages me and he's like, I just want to let you know I'm going to be coming over. You know, I'm going to be in full gear. And he's like, and I just want you to know, he's like, I am African-American, so I don't want to alarm you, which I was like, that's really, you know, super respectful and awesome that you're telling me you're going to be in all this full gear and you know, whatever. He's like, I just don't want to scare you. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, thank you. Very cool. Um, no problem. And so fast forward then to Saturday morning. And of course, just again, that fear of like, 
I'm going to be home alone. There's a stranger coming here. COVID, we don't really know what COVID is or isn't Mm -hmm. yet. And um, I, my ex-boyfriend ended up leaving and said goodbye. And I was like, okay, yep, I'll be here packing, whatever. And because, yeah, I didn't, I didn't say that part. Sorry, but I was going to be packing that whole day. So he was going to go help a buddy. So he wasn't at the house while I was packing just because, sure. you know, to make it not as hard. So he leaves. And five minutes later, he calls me back. And he's like, hey, do you want me to come back and help you move the couch to the garage so you don't have to be home alone with this guy that you don't know, you know, and right. try moving it out of the basement with him, whatever. And I was like, that would be amazing. So he comes back. <laughs> and we move this couch to the garage. And he gets ready to leave again and I just completely lost it I'm bawling my eyes out just hysterical just hot mess and he's like you were fine you know 20 minutes ago and I left I said I know I said I just I don't know like again you know it's just the highs and the lows and of course you add you have mental illness stuff going on that I wasn't I mean I knew I knew something wasn't right with me that whole week I in my I had a plan that whole week in my head like I was gonna do it wasn't gonna do it like I was not in an okay place um so he left again and I went upstairs and I fell to the floor just sobbing my eyes out and I'm like I can't do this I'm done I cannot do this like I'm gonna go through with my plan well my plan was to pull my car in the garage Hmm. this stupid red couch that had (laughs) was supposed to be in the (laughs) was so it's like I just, I can't do anything but laugh about it because it's like the irony of yeah. this couch that we have joked about for years being jinxed is the couch That's essentially yeah. that was like, dang it, this couch is in my way. I can't do this. And I'm like, and then in that moment, it was like a light went on in my head where I'm like, what am I doing? This isn't okay. You're not okay. Yeah. You know that Adam did this. This isn't okay to do to your family and your friends and your babies. Your babies, Melissa. You have two little boys. It's a Saturday of Mother's Day weekend. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. And it was like in that moment, I just got on the phone. I messaged my, actually my OBGYN. She knew that I had struggled, obviously, because she was my OBGYN when Nolan was born and Adam took his life. And Um, I had messaged her that week and I was like, Hey, you know, is there any way that I can get on medication? Do I have to see a psychiatrist? She's like, you have to see a psychiatrist. And she's like, were you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, just did the whole, like, I'm not going to alarm my friend slash doctor. And, um, I ended up messaging her on Saturday. I was like, Hey, I said, I lied. I'm not okay. Where can I go? And she's like, well, can you drive? And I said, I can. And so she told me one hospital and I said, well, how about this one? She said, get to an ER regardless. It's fine. Um, and I called the suicide hotline. They were not helpful, unfortunately, which I don't even like saying, but at the same time, I'm being honest, like, yeah, it wasn't what you, yeah. And it, it's, there's so many, I mean, we could talk for seven hours about all of this (laughs) stuff, but it's like, I just was very disappointed and I feel like we need to do better where that's concerned too, because at least I was in the place where it was like, okay, this isn't helping me. Right. I do have other resources that I can get a hold of, reached out to my friend who's the doctor and, um, I drove myself to the hospital and then I called a couple of people and said, Hey, here's the plan. And then of course I felt horrible. I'm like, it's mother's day. I'm missing mother's day with my boys. Like they are my boys. And then I was like, you know what? I'm in the hospital getting help. So I get to spend every mother's day with them from here right. on out. The next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to think through to the, you were lucky enough and this is going to sound really weird that I say no. You were lucky enough to have experienced or thought through, this is what this impact looks like. You've Mm -hmm. been through Mm -hmm. a suicide and know what that, how that impacts more than just an immediate or, you Mm -hmm. know, and I, I think there's a lot of people who are struggling and I know it is a, uh, it's such an inward thought process that at some point you don't care, Mm -hmm. but to still have the wherewithal to be like, but my boys and my family and knowing what that impact looked like Mm -hmm. versus just, you know, Mm -hmm. so you're very blessed. Sounds so weird to say that, that you had that experience and that you knew more than I think those who have never had that experience, experience exposure or trauma. And it's, and it's hard too, because they do say like for people who lose a loved one to suicide, their rates, the rates, suicide rate is higher if you've lost somebody. 
and the rate is higher if you're a child of a parent or if you're, you know, like, yeah. so it's just, it's really interesting. But yeah, it, at the end of the day, it was just one of those things where <laughs> Adam, like I've said, Adam, God, the couch. And I even say like, even my ex-boyfriend, yeah. I mean, he ended things with me and that was super hard because again, it was, I was dealing with the mental illness and then to have a breakup on top of it, that heartache, yeah. it just was awful. But at the end of the day, I'm grateful he ended things with me. I'm grateful that that chapter closed yeah. and I wouldn't be who I am and where I am now had I not experienced all that with him either, you know, and there was a plan. There's, there's a purpose for everything. Right. There's a purpose for everything we go through and it's just finding finding the uh the good in it and i'm looking at your book collection completely oh. <laughs> random but i'm pretty sure is there an eagle on that book <laughs> it looks like a little eagle i can't oh. tell <laughs> are you looking at the harry potter one no oh. over the life let's see it's over it's in oh, your blue yeah. section yeah, yeah is that an eagle up there <laughs> which you eagle know, should, i should send you home with that book maybe we should talk maybe you should talk to somebody it's all about the the value of read of of having a therapy like being willing to process out yeah. loud and things like that and having support um my sister gave me that book which i love but it's just eagles are my like they're are i they? joke all the time that they're my spirit and <laughs> so it's not weird that i will look up there and of all the things i see it's a little tiny picture eagle. of an eagle yeah. <laughs> oh, yep another sign yeah. um but yeah so i'm just i'm so grateful to which just again sounds so weird but at the same time it's and I know that there's going to be more struggles and there's, right. I mean, I'm going to be probably crying in two days. I don't know. Like, and that, but it's just, but it's I think normal. coming to terms with, that's not a bad thing. No, I think that that's what we've been taught. Like if you are emotionally going through things, that's a bad thing. I mm-hmm. tell my kids all the time, especially because I feel like anger kind of runs in my family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I've noticed that my children are very quick to anger at certain things. And I always tell them I'm a huge believer. Anger is not a sin. Mm-hmm. God got angry. God mm-hmm. gets angry. We're supposed to fear it's God. <laughs> what we do in that emotion yep. that makes it a sin. And so it's the same thing. Being sad is not bad. Being happy is not bad. Being, you know, disappointed and fearful. None of those none of those emotions, no emotions that we go through is ever a bad thing. It's not something we should ever be um trying to hide or try to not do. The important part is, is how do we manage those mm-hmm. emotions appropriately? And so I just, I kind of feel like I'm trying to teach my kids that because I'm bad at that. I don't ever want to feel sad or angry or all those pieces, right? But to be able to walk through those gracefully and mm-hmm. appropriately mm-hmm. and know that that's going on. And maybe this is very relevant because I have a 13 year old, my dog's going to be 13 in February and we're very much going through a lot of that emotional uh-huh. change. <laughs> and it's a swing of like, yeah, an hour, right, <laughs> five exactly. minutes from now. I don't know who I'm going to get. And so we're learning through that. And I tell her all the time, you can be super annoyed with me. That's fine. I, I'm a mom and I'm going to do ask you to do things or I'm going to say things that are going to really annoy you or that are going to make my you job. angry. <laughs> right. I'm doing all right. But it's important that you say that and say, you know what? I'm really annoyed right now. I'm going to go to my room and I'm going to, mm-hmm. or, or I'm going to get a snack because I'm hangry, <laughs> right? which is a very common thing for her. So it's like what that feeling of, I, I want you to identify how you're feeling and then figure out how to get through that emotion appropriately without ripping everybody's head off or right. doing something that would make you make worse choices and things like that. But it's hard. I mean, it's hard. It's I don't hard. do that health. I don't yeah. do that well yet. So, and I'm in my forties. So it takes a really long time to figure that out. I mean, there, I think about a lot of situations that I'm in now mm-hmm. where I mean, I've done a lot of work on myself and one of the things that I've told a lot of people when they've asked me, like, how did you get through certain things? And I'm like, I sat in my pain. Yeah. I sat in it. And yeah. even that was part of the message at church this weekend was talking about, like, if you're in a season of pain, if you're in a season of mourning, you have to sit through it. You have to go through it. Mm-hmm. You, if you just speed past it or speed over it, you're going to end up being back in that again, mm-hmm. you know, and the only way to truly heal or the only way to truly grow or work on these things is you have to figure out a way to deal with them. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with, I think about a lot of things when I get angry or mm-hmm. when somebody says something and on social media and I'm like, Oh, and I'm sitting there and I start to, you know, think, and then I start to type and then I delete it. And then like, I actually had a comment on one of my posts not that long ago and I, 
it was probably a good two hours. I sat and kind of thought like, okay, how do I respond to this? <clears throat> I typed it up, deleted, went back again, typed it up, deleted again. Mm-hmm. I finally ended up just deleting their comment yeah. and didn't respond because I'm like, it's not worth it because I know at the end of the day, my response, it's, it's only going to just continue. It's not, there's no point, you know, right. and it's kind of like the anger thing. It's taken me a long time. There's so many things that would make me mad where I'm like, okay, just breathe. Just think about it. Like, I'm, granted, I'm still human and I still have yeah, my moments. But it's, and obviously a 13 year old, she's 13. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just one of those things. Again, as an adult, it's just one more thing I've really tried to work hard on yeah. to not react in the moment. And it is hard. <laughs> well, I think it's unlearning a lot of things that we were taught. Yes. And so that's or, where I say, yeah. like, I'm trying to help them because I don't, I was never taught those things. Mm-hmm. And not that my parents, didn't do a great job is the sense of we just didn't know what we didn't yeah, know at the time exactly. so it's like how we are process and i'm sure our kids will even be yeah. even more efficient at doing mm-hmm. that for their children and be like our parents were so outdated you know right? our parents were so yep. lame and yep. the mistakes they made <laughs> but i i just those are the pieces of what i've learned about mental health that i am hopefully helping my children have mm-hmm. at least a leg up yes. to support themselves and then to seek help where they need and things like that yes so all of this journey for you has led you to this amazing group. Yes, so we're going to go we're <laughs> circle back to thumbs up because I think this is so important. How did you get involved? So I was a real estate photographer and I photographed a property. It was March of 2021 and her name, the gal's name was Janet. So I was a photographer for a company. I was a con- contractor for a company called Spacecrafting. And so they schedule you out, whatever. Um... And I had been scheduled to photograph this property in Blaine. And obviously, as we've already said, and you can tell, I like to talk and I like people. So that was another reason I love this job. But Janet and I just started talking the whole time I was photographing her property. And at the very end, I'm getting ready to leave and I'm standing in her entryway. She's on her stair and she has her sweatshirt pulled like kind of like three quarter sleeve up. And I noticed this beautiful sunflower tattoo. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so pretty. And she pulled her sleeve up all the way. And I was like, oh, you have a semicolon. And she also had the suicide awareness colors in this tattoo. And I was like, wow, that's really pretty. And and I said, you know, the about the semicolon. And I said, I have a semicolon too. And she said, yeah. She said, I actually lost my son Sam to suicide um, about a year ago. And I said, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I said, you know, I lost my brother. And um, Can and, you explain what the semicolon for those yeah, so I the know semicolon, knows yep, that So the semicolon is um, a tattoo that a lot of people get. There's actually, it's called a semicolon project, I believe, but it is a, your story isn't over Mm. instead of a period at the end of the sentence where the, you know, it's the end, a semicolon, your story, it's, it's not over. Keep going. The grammatical use of the semicolon in a sentence. Yeah. More is coming. There's more coming. So, um, I got one obviously after losing my brother and then again, my own struggles and right next to my cross. But yeah, so that Janet and I just started talking and she's talking about her son and I said, you know, that I had lost my brother, Adam, and I've just become very passionate about mental health and suicide awareness and mental illness and just men's mental health, et cetera. And she said that she knew of a nonprofit that, you know, worked with everything I was talking about. And I was like, Oh, tell me more. (laughs) So she said, yeah, she goes, it's actually called thumbs up. The gal's name is Katie. And I said, Oh, well, where are they located? She goes, they're actually in Elk River. And I was like, no way. I live in Ramsey. I said, that'd be awesome. Please connect us. And so it's funny, Janet, I'm walking to my car after I'm done and I'm getting a text message from her with a screenshot of Katie's information and Katie's the Facebook page. Yeah. And so then Katie and I connected and we ended up meeting up and talked for, I don't know, it felt like, I mean, we could have talked for hours too, but we connected right away. And I just said, you know, I, this is something I'm super passionate about and I really want to be a part of something bigger than just my Facebook and Instagram because I just, I want a bigger voice to help you know, spread awareness. Mm -hmm. And, um, she's like, yeah, it'd be awesome. So I was, I kind of tried to be on the race committee a little bit for the first year. And, um, I did as much as I could and obviously did the walk that year. And then they were talking about having an actual like location. And she's like, you know, we're hoping to get a location. She said, I'm, I just got hired on. She was the executive director or is the executive director. And, she said, at some point in time down the road, I don't know when, she said, but, you know, we might be looking to add another employee. And I'm like, okay, hi, me, pick me, please. <laughs> minute, 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 minute. <laughs> like, I want, I want to be part of this. And 
whatever. And just, you know, it's just, it is, it's just such a, with everything in me, this is my passion. And she's like, all right, well, I'll keep you posted. And so they opened, um, up the location in downtown Elk River, February of 2021. Just kidding. 2022. What year are we in? We're in 2022, (laughs) February of 2022. And we had just kind of been messaging back and forth, like, Hey, you know, here's kind of what we're looking at. We may or may not be looking to have you come. And I'm like, well, I can still do part-time with the real estate photography. So that's what happened. I ended up staying part-time with spacecrafting and coming on March 1st of 2022, part-time with thumbs up. So I do basically admin stuff and then all kinds of other fun little things. So I started March 1st part-time was there three days a week. We have our after-school program Monday through Thursday for middle schoolers and high schoolers to come in, hang out. We do uh, I mean, we have arts and crafts. We have an arts and crafts room. We have games that we can play, the kids can play. And then we try to do something mental health related if we can, at least once a month or once a week. We have a gal who's coming in in November. She does art class. So the kiddos will get to draw or paint a picture with her. She's been there a few times. We have a therapy dog, Willow, who comes with Amy from yep. You're Not Alone, who they're amazing. And what else do we, we have snacks. Oh. We have a food shelf. That's that important. Snacks. Yes. This is, this is, you know, to teenagers, this a, is yeah, like middle school heart right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, and that's the one thing they all talk about. They're all like snacks, snacks. We love the snacks. Okay, guys. Thanks. Awesome. Um, we have dance parties sometimes. Yeah. So that's yeah. always fun. And then what else do we do? I mean, it's just, it's really cool. Cause like last week, last Thursday, Katie and it was just Katie and I, and then we had two volunteers there. And then there were only two of our regulars, as we kind of call them now, the regular kids that come. And Katie was like, you guys want to play a game? And we're like, oh, yeah, sure. So we all just, we, Katie and I sat and played a game with these kids, you know? Yeah. And I knew, or I didn't know, I hoped that I would have an impact on these kids' lives, you know? And we're, Katie and I still try to work when they're there, but at the same time, there are plenty of days like Thursday where, you know, we took the time and we played games with them because yeah. we love these kids, yeah. love these kids and building the relationships and seeing them come in and hugging them when they walk through the doors mm-hmm. and hearing about their day at school or their weekend or just whatever. And, um, so I, I hoped that I would have some form of an impact on these kids' lives. And it's like the impact that they've had on my life mm. has just been amazing. And to just... I mean, I'm 42 years old and these are middle schoolers coming in and they're excited to see me, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, no. and it's, I was a nanny for 13 years and I loved being a nanny. And so it's just, it's one of those, again, I say it all the time with, I'm like full circle. Here I am again, just, yeah. you know, I love being a mom and I love these kids that come into the center and like I have on my wrist, I have two bracelets. One of the little girls made me a bracelet and the other girl, um, she bought me and Katie each matching bracelets and necklaces, you know? So it's like these kids just, they're amazing. And I mean, obviously not everyone who walks in the doors is necessarily struggling, but it's still, it's a safe space for these kids to come. We're a safe space for them to have a conversation with us or the volunteers. And they become advocates for you guys within their systems and within their friends and within their groups of kids that don't always feel as safe. And we're lucky we live in a community where there's a lot of good families and things like that. Mm-hmm. But there is so m- I don't think we always realize the kids that fall through the cracks and the amount of people, families that are struggling, even mm-hmm. from the outside looking in of, you think they have, you know, um, you know, a good nuclear family, a mom, a dad, or dude, whatever. And, but that doesn't mean they're healthy or that mm-hmm. their kids are getting mm-hmm. their needs met. And so to have an organization and now that you guys have the brick and mortar where they can actually go and physically be somewhere, it's mm-hmm. huge. That's very mm-hmm. different than just, an event once a year or yeah. four times a year, yep. quarterly or whatever, to have that physical space that people can mm-hmm. show up to and be a part of and that our community really can pour into. And I think that's, I, I think what you guys are doing is amazing. So oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's an amazing space. And I mean, the support that we have had from so many people. Yeah. I mean, like I told you, you know, the walk this year, they had their record breaking amount of people. We had 1,100 people register and we raised over just over $103,000. Yeah. And fantastic. I have goosebumps. It's just yeah. the amount of people who are supporting it and the amount of people who are talking about it and the mm-hmm. amount of people who are seeing we're talking about it, we're doing something about it, these kids coming in. I mean, 
we do have one little boy who comes in who, not sorry, I shouldn't call him a little boy. Um, <laughs> if he hears us, he'd be mad at me. Um, but he lost his dad to suicide. And I overheard him and a girl talking a couple weeks ago. And actually this girl is the one who lost Janet's son. It's his sister mm. has been there a few times and she was talking about having lost her brother. And he's like, I'm so sorry to hear that you lost your brother. You know, and it's just yeah. these kids. It's again, it's a place for them to come where some of them have that common Yeah. where suicide is such a different loss It is. and it's a different loss from a sibling aspect to a parent child to a spouse. Like it's, it affects every, everybody differently because it's a different relationship, but it's still, it's still a common, like he lost a dad. She lost a brother. They both have a suicide loss in common. And it's just until you've experienced something like that, you know, you don't really get it. Um, I mean, you can still obviously have, you know, you can still feel sorry or the sympathy for people, but it's just different. So just knowing that these kids, and like you said, kind of at the beginning of this, I mean, Everybody who is involved in Thumbs Up some way, shape, or form has been affected by either mental illness mm-hmm. for the most part or having lost someone to suicide. Right. Katie, you know, Katie, her mom and another gal started Thumbs Up because of an uncle and Katie's grandpa, her mom's obviously father. Um, and just again, like, this is something we need to talk about. Right. It has to be talked about. I think that breeds such a organic and authentic group when people mm-hmm. who are preaching and teaching about a specific topic if you haven't experienced it it just seems mm-hmm. a little fuzzy yeah. but to know that like you said everybody that's there they they know and they've mm-hmm. been there they've been in the trenches of mm-hmm. that of that of mm-hmm. that an unfortunate experience and so yeah. that's a wonderful piece to help okay. people feel connected the second they walk in yeah. or when they're seeking help or i i just love like i said the way that the community is connecting to figure out ways to broaden that. I know that there's been experiences within the school district that Thumbs Up has supported mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. talked through or spoken at and things like that. And I think that's, that's what's mm-hmm. so cool. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, we have like, I mean, we have all of these different programs and it's, there's so many, and there's so many things where Katie's, Katie and I'll both be like, oh, there's this program that we could do, but we already have these programs. We just really need to focus on the ones that we have and are doing you know, yeah. really good with. Sometimes um, you gotta do a few yeah. things right rather than a whole bunch <laughs> yes. of stuff not great. Yeah, so I totally get that. There's all kinds of ideas that we both are like, oh yeah, this would be fun, but let's, no, mm-mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like we have our bereavement gifts that we'll send out to obviously someone who lose, loses someone to suicide or calming corners that's actually becoming, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times Katie in the last probably couple of weeks has been on the phone with another school. Like, Hey, can we get stuff for calming corners? Yeah. Which big. And yeah. We, and in the school system, we had talked a lot about those and we mm-hmm. had, we were trying to consistently figure out ways to use those spaces more appropriately within yeah. the school buildings. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. great. So, yeah. So we've got those our cheer bags, which are goodies we have youth teen and adult so those we just send out to someone who's having a bad day somebody who has just lost somebody in general um you know somebody who's struggling with mental illness just mm-hmm. a cheer bag i mean the name it's in the name cheer we're just trying to spread cheer yeah. and send those out so we can either you can nominate people mm-hmm. for them send in an email i get the nomination through email and then we just mail them out or you know if you came in and you're like you know i'm just having a hard day or so-and-so is having a hard day. Could I grab a cheer bag? Yep. We'll give you one. Um, we've shown up, like you said, kind of with the schools when we know of a suicide in the schools, which unfortunately there've been a few of them in the last month. Um, and, uh, one of the schools, we brought a bunch of cheer bags for them to have in the counseling office for the teachers and students. And then we brought in our wristbands that say, keep moving forward and stickers. And just, you know, again, it's just one of those things for like these kids to know and these, the, professionals to know that there's a place to go and to reach out. Um, and then, yeah, we just, like I said, we kind of have the, or well, the emotional support, emotional support dog. That's another one. Um, we do have, if you cannot afford health insurance or don't have health insurance, can't afford counseling. We have a referral assistance program that gets you five free sessions with a therapist. So, um, that's obviously huge. And then, yeah, we just have some other things. So, Obviously, everything's on our website. Yeah, I'm going to put all of that in the show notes so oh, anybody yeah. listening yes. can yep. find those links yep. and get to that information. I think that's a it's you need that quick click. Yep, so exactly. Please check out the show notes for all of that. And then we also we really encourage anybody who is having any struggles or thoughts or any of this conversation that was triggering for you, 
to seek help. Mm-hmm. You know, we're mm-hmm. hoping that continuing to talk about it will support people and help people to feel like they're not alone. But also, mm-hmm. if you are struggling, we would hope that you would take that step today to yep. find reach out. Yeah. And that's that's the one thing too is so our. Uh, our space is open for, it's, I mean, it's basically, it's teen. Mm. It's kind of our main thing for after school program, but we always say our doors are open from 90, birth yep. to 99. You yep. know, there's, so you're, if over anyone, you're out. No, I'm just <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. Sorry, donate the mail. Um, but yeah, if, you know, we're open Monday through Friday, Katie and I are generally there sure. Monday through Friday, nine to five, Monday okay. through Thursday and nine to three on Fridays. So we, if anyone wants to walk in, I mean, we have had people walk in the doors and, you know, we're there, we want to be there. We want to help people and we want to be able to give resources or even if you just need somebody to talk to. And that's the thing too. The biggest thing that I've learned through everything is sometimes we need people just to show up and listen. Yeah. We don't, you can't fix it. Right. You don't know their story. Just listen. Yeah. Like just be a shoulder for them to cry on, hold their hand, hug them. And that's, you know, first step. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah. Well, I, again, I can't say thank you enough for being willing to be so vulnerable and, and to share your story in a way that thank you. I think will be really impactful for people. And thank you for the work that you do with thumbs up. And we hope the best, that the community will continue to support you guys and that yeah. we'll continue to see awesome things happening. So well, thank you. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> it is. See, it's not so bad, right? No. <laughs> Thank you so much again, Melissa. I just know there are going to be so many people who are encouraged and empowered through your story. And if you are somebody who is struggling in any way, we do, we really do hope that you will reach out either to those around you or please check out our show notes. We have so much um, information in there and specifically sources and resources for you to check um, and to reach out so that you can get the support that you need or just to learn more. And maybe you know somebody else that you can share that information with. I hope that this podcast was encouraging for you today. Thanks for diving in on a little bit more of a heavy topic, but um, it's a blessing to be able to share life with you guys and for listening. I appreciate it. I will see you guys next time for another great conversation here on the Recourse Podcast.